0: All right, good morning. Good morning, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, yes. My name is Jakan. I am the pastor of adult ministries here, which means a big part of my job is to make sure that you're connected. I say this all the time and it never gets old. I wanna make sure you're connected to God. I wanna make sure you're connected with one another. Make sure you're connected to the world. Our mission is to make disciples of all nations. I wanna make sure that's happening, that's my job. I love to do it, I'm excited to be here. Every time I get up here, I talk about my beloved Miami Hurricanes every single time. And I'm not gonna do that anymore, I know it's a sad day, tough tough news. Last time I badmouthed FSU, I think God punished me, the Dolphins lost by a lot, so that was hurtful, so I'm not gonna do that anymore. I will not say anything about any other team that I despise, I won't say, I'm excited to be journeying through Jonah with you. Over the next four weeks, we're going to go through the book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse in the book of Jonah. I want to, I got to say this, and and I joke with Susan all the time, I don't know if she's in here, but you know, I say Susan's my boss, that's who the real boss, she's been here forever, she knows everybody, she's got the keys to the kingdom. But I'm gonna correct something Susan said. You know, she said, you know, we wanna hear from a word that's on Jay's heart. That's, that's not why I'm up here. That's not why you should be there. That's not what I'm gonna do. You know, we're gonna hear from, from God. I'm gonna preach the word. And I understand what they're saying and I, I know what it means, but I, I want it to be clear. I want this culture to understand that we are here to hear from the word of God and my job is to deliver that to you amen amen so with Jonah there's a posture that we ought to take Jonah's an interesting man it's an interesting book it's been working on me I've been telling people some of the staff has been asking me Jay how you doing I'm like man it is working on me for some reason this book has just been messing with me in the posture that I took, I, I, I want you to take. Every week is gonna be different. Every chapter is different. It's one story, but every chapter has something different for us. In this, this chapter, the longest chapter, the first chapter, I think it has something really unique. I think a really good message, but in order for us to receive that message, we have to do something. We have to put ourselves in a posture in a posture of being honest. We gotta be willing to be honest with ourselves. We're gonna self-reflect today. We're going to ask brave questions, hard questions. We have to ask these questions if we're not to go through these motions and let God's word really do what it's called to do, with it, which is change our lives. If we're to do that, if we're to allow God's word, Jonah chapter 1, to do that, then we have to have a posture of saying, God, I'm going to be honest today. Whatever may come, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest with myself where I'm at. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to let you speak to me. So let me pray for us, and then we're gonna get right into it. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's inspired. I thank you that it's true. I thank you that it's absolute. I thank you that it's been preserved for us. God, help me to communicate your word clearly. God, I pray that you would help us as you've helped me To grab a posture of being honest and open to receive your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, let's get right into it. So if you have a Bible, turn to Jonah. Get it on your device. It's going to be on the screen. I'm going to read the first three verses. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Somebody say Jonah. Jonah. Saying, arise. Arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it for their evil. Somebody say evil. Evil. Their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Look at me for a second. So Jonah is a prophet. It doesn't say it particularly in this text, but if you go to another text of the Bible, 2 Kings chapter 14, it talks about Jonah. It tells us who he is. It tells us his dad's name, which is why his dad's name's in the text, so that you know exactly who this is talking about. It tells us where he's from and what he prophesied about. And he was a good prophet. God asked him to do stuff, and he did it. He did a good job in 2 Kings. So we know Jonah is a prophet, and a prophet is someone given a specific message to give to a specific group of people. No one wanted the task for themselves. God called them to do it. And oftentimes, a prophet's message was very simple. They would go to the nation of Israel, and they would tell them, Hey, you are not following what God wanted you to do. You better get your act together, or he's going to discipline you. That was their message. We're familiar with the famous ones, Isaiah, Jeremiah. That's essentially what they said. But Jonah was different. He was a prophet, yes, but God called Jonah to go. He said, arise, Jonah, go to another nation. That wasn't common for prophets. They would stick with the nation of Israel. Sometimes they would pronounce judgment on other nations, but they would never go in person. God specifically told Jonah, go. Go to a place called Nineveh. Now, that may not mean like anything to us today, but let me give you some background. It's important as we journey through Jonah. The dominant nation of that time was called Assyria, it was located in what we now understand as the Middle East. So, Assyria was the dominant nation, their capital was Nineveh. It's located just above Iraq. This wasn't a friendly bunch. They were a brutal people. All over the Bible, it talks about Nineveh and the Assyrians. They were brutal. They would burn people at the stake. They would skin people alive. They would sacrifice babies. I mean, there's books, history books, non-Christian history books about this group. They were savages. And here's what we need to understand. It's not like there were a handful of people who were brutal. The whole nation was brutal. They approved of these things. This was their way of life. It's almost like as if it was written into their laws. They were brutal. And God said, go, their evilness has come before me and I'm gonna judge them and Jonah, I want you to go tell that message to them. But Jonah gets up and he goes in the opposite direction. 2,000 miles in the opposite direction. Jonah, you're a prophet, you know the gig. You know the routine. God tells you to do something. You get up and you do it. Jonah, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, the Bible tells us. It says he's running from the presence of the Lord. Now, I, I had to, as I was studying this, I, 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 I wrestled with that phrase, running from the pre- What does that mean? I not we have a picture of it. What does it really mean to run? I think what's happening here is Jonah purchased a one-way ticket. I don't think Jonah was coming back. I think Jonah was doing exactly what the Bible says he was doing. He was running. He was in effect saying, God, I'm not going to do this. I don't want to do this. And I'm not going to be in the equation at all. I'm gone. I'm running 2000 miles opposite way. I don't want to do this. Jonah teaches us our first lesson today. Jonah teaches us our first lesson today, and I know that we want to ask this burning question, which I I had. I was like, why? If you're a prophet, if you know God, if he's called you to do this very specific and special task and you're still willing to run away, why? It doesn't tell us here. It tells us in chapter four, and I think it tells us in chapter four is because right now that's not important. His motive is not important. Right now, his actions are important. And his actions teach us our first lesson, and that's this God's commands are meant to be obeyed, but they're not always going to be easy to follow. God's commands are meant to be obeyed. We have to understand that. He didn't tell Jonah to go for kicks and giggles. Like he really wanted him to do this. God's commands are purposeful, they are good, and they are meant to be obeyed, but they're not always gonna be easy to follow. We need to understand that. Jonah is coming face to face with that reality. Jonah knows what it's like to obey God, but he came up against something. Something that was so challenging for him, something that was so hard for him, that the easiest thing to do, as absurd as it sounds, is to run away from God. That's how hard it was. And I told you at the very beginning that we have to ask, our posture has to be honesty. We have to ask the brave and hard questions. And here's the first one for today. Are we like Jonah? Are you like Jonah? Have you come up against something that God has asked you to do? It's so challenging, so hard, that as absurd as it sounds, the easiest thing to do is run. I talked to a guy years ago. He um, was a Christian guy, solid, strong believer. And um, somebody hurt him bad, really bad. And he came to me and we were talking about it and he said, Jay, I know God's word tells me to forgive but I'm not gonna do it. I just can't. They hurt me way too much. He came face to face with the reality, something God asked him to do that he was just not willing to do it. What about you? What has God asked you to do that you're just saying, you know what, man, that's just way too hard. Has God asked you to forgive someone and are you saying, man, I don't don't wanna do that? You don't understand how that person hurt me. I'm just not gonna do it. Do you not wanna live a life of honesty and integrity regardless of what it'll cost you? Do you not wanna live a life of purity? Do Do you not wanna live a life fully devoted to God? I'm not talking 75% or 85% fully devoted to God. That's where I struggle. I can't ask you to be honest if I'm not willing to be honest up here. I'll be vulnerable with you. I'll keep it real. That's where I struggle. If you want to know, God has asked for all of my life. God said, Jay, I bought you with a price. You are not your own. And I said, God, I can give you 75%. Because I like my future. To, I, know, I, I like to know what to expect. I want my life to look a certain way. God, you got 75%. It's way better than this person. I'm up here preaching, right? You got some of it. No, God said, I want all of it. And I said, God, that's too hard. But what about you? You know, God said that we shouldn't live this life alone, and one of the hardest things to do is get people in community with one another. It's an area where we say, you know what, God? I know you've called me to be a part of a church. I know you've called me to be a part of a family. I can't do it. And if you're having a hard time wondering why we should ask that question, Jay, why is this question so important? What's the point of it? Let's keep reading. We'll see why. Start verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried to his God, notice the lowercase g, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Somebody say asleep. Hmm. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Somebody say ouch. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Perish. So God sends a storm. God asked Jonah to do something very specific. Jonah said no, and God sends a storm. And this ain't just any storm. The Bible says it's a severe storm. The Bible gives us details. That's for a reason. It's meant to help us understand the magnitude of the situation of what's happening here. Church, God is not to be disobeyed. He is not to be disobeyed. And Jonah's about to come face to face with that reality. And hopefully so are we. So this is what happens. So they say that the ship is threatening to break up. My best friend's here and he was here for the first service, he's a teaching pastor out of Orlando, he's the guy on crutches if you you see him. And um, he was saying, Jay, as you were talking about that in the first service, I got this picture of being on a boat and the, the word literally says that the boat, the wood, is starting to begin to break. Now, I've, I've been on a boat. Some people here in Sarasota, good family, friends, they took me on a boat. They were here in the first service. But I've never been on a storm, a severe storm on the boat. And I've never been on a boat where it started to break. That's, that's a severe storm. I grew up in Miami, as you all know. I've been through serious hurricanes. I get the picture that this is hurricane-like. Hurricane Andrew, like on the water. So serious that they start to hurl their cargo overboard. And I don't know what you think about that, but that's there for a reason to help us to understand that cargo equals money. Cargo is what they're taking from one port to the next. This is how they pay for their journey. And they're saying, no, man, we don't need this. Our lives are on the line. And not only that, they're crying out to their gods. Now, it's a lowercase g for a reason, it's false gods. They have no power because the storm is still raging, but they're crying out to their gods. All this is happening. They're trying to save their lives, and Jonah's sleeping. Jonah, what are you doing? Well, Jonah knows what he's doing. He's running. That's the point. Jonah doesn't care. They're about to lose their life. Jonah's fine with it. So the captain's not. He says, Jonah, all God's on deck, right? Call out to your God. Call out to your God. Maybe he'll help us, what a rebuke, right? Yeah, Jonah's God could help you. But Jonah's not in a good place. But this part of the story teaches us our second lesson. That's this. God disrupts the plans of those who are disobedient to him. God disrupts the plans of those who are disobedient to him. You could ask the question, is the storm effective? Jonah's asleep, he don't care. Did God miss something? No, He's actually right on the mark. Because now the focus isn't heading to Tarshish, the focus is staying alive. God disrupted his plans. There's two things we need to understand About the fact that God sends storms to the lives of people who are disobedient to him. There's two things we need to understand about God's storms. We need to understand the purpose of them, and we need to understand the intention behind them. The purpose of the storms that God sends to those who are disobedient to him is to keep them from living a life of disobedience. God knows that the best thing for you to do is not to run, regardless of how you feel about it, regardless of how hard it is, regardless of your intention behind running. He says it is far worse to live a life of disobedience to me. So he sends the storm to disrupt our plans. The reason he sends the storms is love. And he loves us and he knows that's not good for us. It's not good for you, it's not good for me. To illustrate that, I tell a story, it's a silly story, but it's a story you're gonna hear nothing less. It's a story about a witch, okay? And this evil witch lived in the woods, and this guy journeys, people journey through the woods, and they stop at the witch's cabin to get some rest, and then continue on their journey. So when the people stop at this evil witch's cabin, they fall asleep. And when they fall asleep, the evil witch will cast a spell on them, and they will turn into stones. Okay, the evil witch. Well, the witch had an apprentice. And the apprentice liked this guy who was journeying, not romantically, but she just thought he was a very nice guy. He was on his journey, he needed a place to stay, and so he stops at the witch's cabin. And The apprentice liked him, so she didn't want him to turn into stones. So what she did was she put sticks, little twigs, you know, in his bed all night. So he couldn't get comfortable, you know, all night he's trying to fall asleep, and he's like, man, God, leave!" you know, these little twigs. It's kind of like FSU, like, God, this is a thorn in my side. Oh, I said I wouldn't do it. Oh, Lord, forgive me, please, please. I can't help it. The shirt is killing me. And so he's all night, all night. He's struggling, struggling. And so he takes the twigs out, and she puts more in. Come sunrise, he could never fall asleep. He could never fall asleep. And so he looks at the apprentice, and he says, angry. I'm never coming here again. All night. All night, tossed and turned. It was so uncomfortable. I hated it. I'm never coming back here again. Slams the door. Boom. Walks out. And the apprentice, all she thought was if only you knew, those sticks were sticks of love, sticks to keep you from turning into stones. I know they were uncomfortable. I know you hated them. I know it was hard. I know it was something you didn't expect. But nevertheless, they were sticks of love. That's how we ought to look at God's storms in our lives. Because as as hard as they may be sometimes, because God will send storms to those who are running. He will shorten your bank account. He will cause jobs not to work out. You'll be in a situation where you feel like, God, why am I here? Sometimes he sends a spirit of discouragement. Sometimes he sends health issues. God's storms are difficult, yes, but it is far worse to live a life of disobedience to him. Far worse. And God knows that but they're sticks of love, church. So I need you to understand something before we continue on. Every storm in your life is not a result of disobedience. You have to understand that. Every storm in your life is not a result of disobedience. We live in a fallen, evil, broken world. So sometimes things are going to happen simply because that's the world we live in. We are going to experience bad things because of a fallen world. That's just a reality. But hear me on this and hear me loud and clear. Every disobedient act has a storm attached to it. Now, I didn't get a lot of amens, but that's okay as long as you heard me. Every disobedient act has a storm attached to it. That's a sobering reality, and we have to ask the brave questions. Is there a storm in your life right now? And if there is, is it because of your disobedience? Let's keep reading. We'll go seven. They said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose on whose account this evil has come upon us. Somebody say evil. Evil. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. Somebody say evil again. What is your occupation and where do you come from? What's your country of what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this you've done? Let me me say that again. I don't want you to miss it. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. So God told Jonah to do something. Jonah disobeyed. God sent a storm. Up until this point, nobody knows that Jonah's the reason for the storm. So the sailors turned to a practice called casting lots. It was common. The nation of Israel did it. Uh, uh, Other nations did it. It was just a common practice to determine a uh, decision. In this case, to determine who's responsible for the storm. If you're having a hard time picturing what casting lots is, just imagine drawing straws. It's a simple way of looking at it. And God allowed... the the lot or the straw to fall to Jonah. And so now Jonah can't hide from the reality that he's to blame. And so they don't know each other from Adam, right? So they ask a ton of questions to Jonah. Now that they know he's the reason for this Cat 5 hurricane they're experiencing, he says, Jonah, who are you? What's your occupation? Of what people are you worried Tell us something. Tell us something. So I'll paraphrase what Jonah says. He says, I'm a Hebrew, and he says, I worship the God of the the dry seas and the land. Or the seas and the dry land. I fear him. You say, what? I don't know about you, but that was very interesting to me. Jonah basically told him the truth. I worship the God who's in charge of this storm right now. And I fear him. It messed with me when I heard that. What do you mean you fear him? You're running from him. No, no, no. Remember how I said we got to be honest? I'm not saying that. The text drives us, as we will see, journey through Jonah. Jonah's a very reluctant but honest prophet. And here, I'll just say this. I don't think God can deal with somebody who's not honest. Jonah's very honest. Yeah, I, I, I fear God. Yep, that's the one true God who's in charge of this storm. Yep, I'm running from him. Yep, that's it. Jonah's honest. I think we ought to learn from that. We ought to learn to be honest about where we are. I don't think God can deal with somebody who's a liar. Hear me on this. If you're not honest about where you are in your journey, in your faith, nobody can deal with you. You're oblivious. You're in denial. But Jonah's honest, and we'll see. As absurd as the things that Jonah says, God sticks in there with him. God deals with him, wrestles with him. Doesn't give up on him. Because he's honest. And we read the Psalms sometimes and we read other parts of the Bible and we're like, how can he say that to God? Yeah, God can deal with an honest person. God can deal with a person who's willing to say, God, I'm struggling with this. This is hard for me. I don't know why you're asking me to do this right now. God can work with that. He can't work with somebody who's gonna be like, no, everything's good. I'm all fine. I'm blessed and highly favored. Yeah, I don't know if he can deal with somebody like that. If you can't keep it real, I think you're just gonna keep it stuck. I think you're just gonna stay in the same spot. So Jonah's honest and they ask him a rhetorical question. What have you done? Because they know now. Okay, Jonah, you're in charge of the storm, but you're running from him. We're screwed. What have you done? Their response leads us to our third lesson today. And it's this. Our sin will have a negative effect on the people around us. Our sin will have a negative effect on the people around us. That's exactly what's happening here. You know, earlier in the story, it says, let's cast lots. Why? To see why this evil has become upon us. The sailors are wondering, what have we done? Right? Why is our boat about to break? Why do we have to give up cargo? Why are our lives on the line? What what have we done to deserve all this? Nothing, it was Jonah's fault. Jonah's disobedience had a negative effect on the sailors. Our disobedience has a negative effect on the people around us. This is just a sober reality. A sober reality. We see it all the time. In the case of a spouse who either commits adultery or abusive, it affects the kids. In the case of childhood trauma, it affects the future future spouse and future kids. In cases of unforgiveness, it tears apart family and friendships. You know, I I lived in Chicago for a while and there were two big churches there, Willow Creek and, and Harvest, and I don't know if you're familiar with what happened to those churches, but in cases of leadership, not following God's standards, hurt the church, split churches apart. We see it all the time. While sin is a solo act in most cases, its effects aren't. Its effects aren't. And while we're living this life of disobedience, doing the opposite of God wants us to do, we often are operating in our most selfish moments, and we have our head down, and we don't realize how our sin affects those around us. But today, the challenge for us, if we're to be honest, if we allow the words to jump from the pages of Scripture and from the screen into our hearts, we have to ask the question, not if, but how, how is my sin, how has my sin, how has my disobedience affected those around me? We have to ask that question. And when we start seeing that, then we start understanding a little bit more And it's so much more than me being disobedient to God. It has such greater effects than that. So, so far, we've learned a couple things. We've learned that God's commands are good and purposeful, but they're not always going to be easy to follow. We've learned that when we have a hard time following and we disobey, God's going to send storms to disrupt our plans. We also learn that our sin, our disobedience, has a negative effect on the people around us. And we're going to finish this story here in 16, and we're going to learn our last lesson for today. So let's get back to the Word. Verse 11. And they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous, I had to practice that word. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. Somebody say quiet. Quiet. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. This is where we end our story. So they asked Jonah, what do we do? It's your fault, right? The storm is because of you, so what do we do? Jonah has a plan. Just throw me into the sea. And this was Jonah's logic, okay? If it's not clear, but let me just say it. He says, look, all this is because of me. He fessed up. All this is because of me. If you get rid of me, take me out of the equation, you're good. Now two things could be true here. We gotta keep them in our mind. We're not gonna talk about them now. We gotta keep them in our mind. It's gonna be important later on as we journey through this book. But two things could be true. One, you could say Jonah is still being disobedient. You could say that, golly, Jonah, you're, you're not going to uh, repent, repent, meeting, stop going one way, turn and do another thing. You're not going to tell God, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I'll do what you asked me to do. I'll go to Nineveh. Come on, Jonah. You're willing to die still, this storm, all this stuff? Man, he must really not want to do this. Why? Or you could say, wow, look at Jonah. He's willing to sacrifice his life for other people. The text doesn't tell us today. It'll tell us soon. Here's what we do know. The sailors did not like his plan. Note the compassion of these guys. These guys that don't know the God of the Bible, the God you and I are familiar with, right? But they're willing not to let Jonah end his life. They said, nah, let's try and row back to dry land. But God didn't allow them. The storm got stronger. So they had to surrender. They had to drop their effort and they had to surrender because they weren't gonna save themselves. They weren't gonna save Jonah. They were all gonna die. So they had to throw Jonah overboard. But before they did, they prayed. They didn't pray to their God. They prayed to the God of the Bible. Jonah's God, the God of the storm, the one true God. And this is what they said. They said, God, we don't want to perish for this man's life. We don't, they were honest. But we also don't want innocent blood on our hands. But this seems to be your will. This seems to be what you want. So they sent them overboard in faith. I believe they converted at this moment. The sea ceased from raging. Can you imagine that? You're in a cat five, okay? You are in a cat five on the water. Your boat is about to break. Your cargo is gone. Your life is on the line. We are comfortable here. You you see what I'm saying? They are not. And they throw Jonah overboard. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says the sea became calm. Man, that moment, they'll never forget. They'll never forget. And in response to that moment, what did they do? They worshiped. They worshiped the one true God. That's what it says. They sacrificed and made vows, that's what that means. It means to worship. Their response teaches us our last lesson today, and it's this. Salvation is possible with God when we are effortless, and surrender. Salvation is possible with God when we are effortless and surrender. That's what happened, they could not save themselves. They couldn't. They tried, right? Bible says they rode, I'm not making up, the Bible says they rode. They tried to save themselves and they couldn't. They had to surrender. They had to become effortless. And for you and I to change, to go from this place, this time, different, we have to do the same. We have to be effortless and surrender. And a great question to ask is, what does that look like? What does it look like to be effortless and surrender? And to that, I'd say it depends on who's asking. It depends on who's asking. If you're saying you're like Jonah here today, that you're a Christian and You've come up against a command that God's asked you to do whether it was 10 years ago, 10 days ago, 10 months ago, 10 hours ago, 10 minutes ago, and you're coming up against a command and you say, man, this is difficult. I just can't do it. And it just seems easy to run. And God has sent storms in your life. And you recognize that those storms are affecting other people. And now you're like Jonah. You're in the sea. You need saving. Maybe you're here today and say, yeah, that's my life. Y'all, that was my life. I felt like I've been in a storm for the past 10 years. You wouldn't have known it. See, running looks different for everybody. It looks different for everybody. God has asked me to do things, man, live a life of faith that I simply didn't want to do. I just, I love comfort way too much. I do. That's my problem. I want my life to be easy. I've had enough hard in my life. I grew up without my father. I've had enough hard. God, you kind of owe me a good, easy life. But my life is not my own. He bought me, and he bought you with a price. And he says, you give me all of you. You give me all of you. And so God has sent storms because I have ran. And He sent storm after storm after storm until I read this book and I had to confess man, okay, God, I'm done running. You have all of me. You have all of me. That's better than any fears I have. That's better. Maybe you're here today like Jonah. Being effortless means to stop using your effort to run from God. Surrendering means surrender to humility this morning and just admit, admit it. Admit that you're running. Admit that it's too hard for you. Admit that you need help. Maybe you're like the sailors. Maybe you're here today and you say, Jay, you know what, I'm not like Jonah, I'm more like the sailors, I didn't know God. All this talk is kind of difficult for me. All this talk about sin and judgment and evil and fallen world, and I don't really get it, but I want to be like the sailors. I want to worship the one true God. If that's you today, then what does being effortless and surrendering look like for you? It looks like this. Understand this, that there's nothing you can do to save you. There's nothing you can do to make you right with God. You can't pray enough, you can't come to church enough, you can't give enough, you can't be good enough, you can't volunteer enough, there's nothing you can do to make you right with the one true God. They tried it, they tried to achieve salvation by their works, this is here to teach us a lesson to understand how we're to be right with God. They had to be effortless, you too have to be effortless. And you have to surrender. Surrender to the one person that can make you right with God and that's Jesus Christ. That's Jesus Christ. He did everything for you. He took everything for you. All the sins that you've committed, all the evil that you've done in God's eyes, he took the punishment for you. All the things that God has asked you to do, that you failed to do, he accomplished. He did it. He did it because he loved you. He did it because he wanted you to have a relationship with God. Your job today is to surrender to Jesus in Christ alone. He is the only one that can make you right with God. Put your faith in him. At this time, the worship team can make their way up and... You know, I, I... Y'all, Jonah, this ain't just a book about a fish. It's messed with me. I hope it's messed with you. I'm gonna challenge you today. Don't leave here today without responding. You know, um, David, he's gonna play a little bit before we sing our last song. That's to give you an opportunity to respond. Here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to come forward. I want you to stay right there. Do your work with God. If you're like Jonah, admit. Admit that you need help. If you're like the sailors, and just put your faith in Jesus. I know you may not understand everything, but understand that he's the only one that can make you right with God. And I want to talk to a third group. That's the group today who says, you know, I'm not really running. Like, I'm good. I'm blessed and highly favored, right? You know, I want to challenge you. Maybe you've been running, running so long that you have no idea. And your response looks like this, why don't you just ask God, God, is there any place in my life where I've been disobedient to you? Reveal that to me and just let the Holy Spirit talk to you. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Let him talk to you. Say, God, is there any area in my life where I've been disobedient? Show me. So don't come up here. We're going to be praying for you. Take time to respond. Let me pray. God, I do thank you for your word, and I just simply pray that you help us to respond in such a way that it will change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.